0: I'm a poet from Detroit, and my own private Idaho helped me identify with the good, bad, and gray elements of young gay life. River exemplifies the beautiful lost rebel whose purity is misplaced from trauma, the sad and relatable story of gays in America. He was a more orphaned and wildly innocent James Dean, but more rough and street-tested, exemplifying the post-punk grunge era in a timeless way. Gus and River gave the internally wounded streetwalker a beautiful face and magnetic melancholy, something all young gay men desire to be and lust after. That's one of our many double-edged swords. Even with the lofty Shakespearean references lost on most viewers, the film gave me a relatable view into a world I understood and admired. It kindled my adventurous side and grounded my morality. I fondly look at the movie as a touchstone in my life, as an erotic and dreamy artifact of the exploration of my own youth and identity. Of course, our identity changes throughout our lives, but impressionable works of art always remain links to the people we've been. And my own private Idaho reminds me of my younger and more vulnerable years.
1: Love is love. My own private Idaho turns 30. Welcome to this very special podcast episode here at Launch Left. I'm Rain Phoenix. I wept when I watched and listened to the testimonials sent in by those of you who heard the call on social media. Thank you so much for your stories. My only regret is we could not use all of them in this episode, to hear how River impacted your lives, to hear how this film impacted your lives, and to hear how important it is to create more art for the left-of-center artists, for the outlier, for the outsider. Your testimonials contextualize even more to me the importance of a space that helps you when you feel lonely or helps you through grief. That is the impact of art and intention of art and activism. And when I think about my own private Idaho, after 30 years, that impact, that a collective of artists came together to make this outsider film, this film made by an openly gay director that was unafraid of failure. As a matter of fact, to hear Lori Parker speak um, during one of LaunchLove's campfire conversations on Discord, which Please come join us there. We're there every Friday at 6 p.m. PST. You can find out how on our Twitter at Launch Left. Lori Parker shared that one of the things Gus said when she asked what he wanted to do next was he said, I want to fail at this project, My Own Private Idaho, or something. I'm paraphrasing. Every crew member that I've spoken to and every cast member, it was such a A powerful collective of artists from across mediums coming together to tell the story that now, you know, to hear a testimonial from a 16-year-old, that shows the longevity of that kind of pure intention and pure art. All the confluence of events that made Mopi possible in 1990 and 1991 when it when it came out. We are seeing the effect of that cause now, so Really, I see it as this powerful cause and effect story, and the outcome is still reverberating. I hope you dig this episode.
2: We knew that he was in the chateau. We were tipped off. And we were like, <laughs> we got to give him the script. Because Iris was just like, no, no, no. And like, so we we found out the room and we just went and knocked on the door and you answered. And we're like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Somehow there was a note and everything explaining, because he called back. <clears throat> and um, and right in that same period, he gave me a... I lived just down the street near the um, actor's studio. Mm-hmm. Like I was in an apartment behind the Mondrian. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so I was just really like down the street. And I remember him either coming down there or like it was at the Chateau. And he's he always wanted to play the record Recordings because they were recording in studio in the studios, so he had like the cassette. Uh, so he's let me play the, our new song, and he cranked it up so loud it was like, bah! like like super loud. And, but yeah, what was I, I, he was. I
1: remember <laughs> him coming back to um, Florida, and. Um, telling me about you and and um saying I that I had it. to read the script but that he wanted me to see the movie the previous Third movie start. that no Malanoche and then I read the script and I was like
2: Well the script was really weird Yeah although probably it was more fun than like a regular Hollywood script
1: Oh my god yeah it had bigger letters Did River Also he just loved you Was did, did River it? help get Keanu in the project No
2: and Keanu was separate like our our deal was <clears throat> The whole deal with River and Keanu was that um, I had written that script after Drugstore Cowboy. And the choice was either to like play the game, quote unquote game of um, the real game was like you could do an action movie. That was where the real money was. And they, but action movies were still back then like separate, Speed. separate from drama, mm-hmm. and drama was still what like the major studios were doing, like they did action and they spent more money on action and paid people more on action, but they still did like on Golden Pond and all that. Um, <clears throat> so I didn't want to go that directly into like the action world, but I wasn't like interested in like their ideas of like or. The things that they were doing which were dramas i should um really um not play any of this game and i should write just what i want this is my one chance i thought i always think every movie you always go i'll never work again (laughs) and so we um we thought well we'll just get you know a small amount of money that way you know like we can make the movie we want um and we'll cast you know, Mike Parker will be Mike Waters and, um, you know, um, Rodney will be Counter's part. Oh, it's um, Scott. Scott. So it's Mike and Scott. Ah,
3: right.
2: <clears throat> and, um, you know, we had it kind of loosely set up with our small group. Oh, and there was a friend of mine who had somebody that had money that was going to finance the movie. <clears throat> and um, so we were kind of all set. And then we said, well, now that we're all set we should just check and see if our, our favorite actors would actually be willing, just in case. So it was like an in-case thing. So that's what we were doing with like... And how um, did you get Keanu, the script to Keanu? Yeah. Keanu, his agents were like, yeah, just send it over. And they were like, they just sent it to him. And he came over and he was like, great, I'd love to. Wow. And so he said, yeah. Was
1: River confirmed at the time or was Keanu
2: no, they weren't. No, they didn't know at the time that each other were being approached. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and we weren't you know the only way we were talking to river was with iris and lori would call me and say you won't believe what iris told me you know she would <laughs> just like swear at them on the phone. i
3: will rip off your head and shit down exactly.
2: your neck said <laughs> stuff like that and like she was amazing i said okay and then at the same time somebody said that river was in the um chateau, chateau. and i was encouraged I said you, you got to just drive it over and I was like, okay. And so we just did that. So
1: I obviously if you handed okay. it to me, I must have given it to him and then he called yeah. you.
2: Then you you could have like thrown it away.
1: <laughs> yeah, good <laughs> job, sis. I, I don't think I I would have done that, but that's I didn't I don't even remember that. So i appreciate you for the memories.
2: But then they <laughs> then they they figured out somehow that they were both being offered this and River I remember he would call me and talk to me for like hours on the phone from Florida. And I would be in that place i remember being um <clears throat> in my my room i was like i was co-renting a little apartment in back of the mondrian so i'd be in there <clears throat> and talking to him and he would go do you know that re- that kiana and i are related i'm like you are you're related and he goes well not like blood related but we're related and i'm like how and you're like oh you oh the movie that i love you to death you did the movie together and he's like yeah did you know that like, because he's paranoid. <laughs> he's like, you know, like, wants to know when I'm, I'm, I'm playing them both. And yeah. I'm like, I didn't know that, but like, it's cool that you were, you know, that you worked together. Before. I was like, oh, yeah, good. And <laughs> eventually I realized I needed to go see him in person because he was too, like, he's talking to a disembodied voice, like mm-hmm. this person that he can't imagine. So I flew to your place right around the time <clears throat> I'd gone to New York. And on the way back to L.A., I went through Florida. What
1: was your first impression <clears throat> having come to the ranch? And what did he seem like, you know, different than most actors you'd yeah, met? Uh, he <laughs> did
2: because he, um, well, he seemed both sophisticated and unsophisticated at the same yeah. time. So that was kind of an interesting. He's I mean, I think your whole family is because of your like moving and because of your insulation and because of your histories you may successfully are, have been or have been raised disconnected from a lot of American um, influence so that was happening so you could see like oh there's like a, a, a really an original um, personality when you're talking to this person <clears throat> that's something that I You know i couldn't place i wouldn't be able to place if asked
1: it's like both raised by wolves and able to integrate
2: (laughs) (laughs) and but also there was like certain types of like sophisticated um imagination and then he would like later on like we talked about other things so he would tell me things like um, you know i didn't know what a joke was until i was nine he was in school (laughs) Like, and somebody told a joke, and then kids laughed, but he didn't laugh because he didn't understand the form. Wow. So there were things like that that he would tell you, like, and I'd always think, oh, well, that's an example of like how original, like, he was. He was, like, humor was not for like jokes. It was more to like, for true humor in life as opposed to like a stand-up joke, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I thought was interesting. But there was lots of that kind of stuff. <clears throat> like um i wasn't there but there was an article that i read where somebody had mentioned general macarthur in um passing and they were on a set and they had re- you know like s- said something about general macarthur because it had something to do with their scene and river was like who's that Yeah. and you're like oh another example of like you know he you know didn't learn generals or army stuff or war stuff
4: yeah who is that Hi, my name is
5: Raid Gill, and I'd like to share my experience I had with the movie My Own Private Idaho. So this is truly one of the best movies I've ever seen in my entire life. And the reason I say that is because I lost my dad when I was 12 years old, and I'm currently 16 years old, and I feel like his death hasn't really hit me yet and affected me. And just seeing Mike in search of an end to his numbness and emptiness and him longing for a relationship that's gone just really speaks out to me. And just the fact that I'm 16, and this movie came out 30 years ago. It just shows how powerful River's acting is and how many lives you can touch and affect. And happy 30th. I love you, my own private Idaho. My own private Idaho has been in my life since a few years after it was released, actually. Um, it started my, like I said, my love for writing. It also was my introduction to nuclear cinema, and I basically consumed... Everything that I can get my hands on after that from all the great independent queer filmmakers of the nineties, which there were so many and that movement was just incredible. And again, like I said, it opened my eyes to sexuality. Um, it started me just realizing, oh, there are queer people out there. And, um, yeah, it was a, a big part of my own coming out. Um, when I came out to my family, um, as bisexual, um, when I was 17, so, um, and I'm not really sure if I would have found that community that I ended up then finding actually on the internet, um, and fandom, uh, if I hadn't seen My Own Friday at when I did and if it hadn't caused this kind of spiral of, um, creativity and, um, passion for cinema and passion for for acting, passion for writing. Um, it was really all it's really all that movie. Um, I always think about it when I think about kind of who I am today and what my interests are. Um, there's only one thing that I can point back to, and it's my own Idaho.
1: Well, Mike Parker, it's only been 30 years since I've seen you.
6: It feels like a lifetime, but yet at the same time, just like no time at all.
1: I know that you had a difficult childhood, a lot of trauma, abuse, depression. You were homeless for a time, or unhoused for a time, doing sex work yeah. to survive. How, like, was meeting Gus and making this film therapeutic for all of that? Did that did it have a therapeutic element to it in
6: telling you this know, story? I'm thinking about it at the time. I, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't have known that. I didn't know that at the time. It was more um, as I got older and started started really uh had enough time enough separation to be able to kind of look back on it and see it for what it was and then and then it became therapeutic how i don't know exactly i because i was telling myself you know i could have ended up in a million different places in a million different ways and this is what i ended up with and and thought about how amazing that was and and how i don't cosmic almost it's like i i I couldn't believe where it had taken me because you know i had many friends who it ended up in many many different places much darker places than even i had gone and then look where i was you know i i was able to have these experiences and um wonderful stuff and it could go along with the trauma and stuff so i guess i guess it was therapeutic in in that i got to do some pretty amazing stuff mm. um, yeah out of, out of out of my experiences. I don't know. You know just, there I was.
1: You are Mike Parker. You were the Mike that River's character was modeling yeah. his his character after, is that right? Um yeah. you uh and with that was River Was he a big collaborator? Like, did he ask you a lot of questions and go to the places you went to and try to get into character um, that way by by spending time with you? Is that your memory of it?
6: Yeah, he certainly did. Um, We had uh, initially when I had first met, and we actually had some time to actually sit and talk. I remember um, I had spoken to someone, but we had went up to a park that kind of overlooks the whole city, and we just kind of talked about some of my childhood. Um, you know, what my parents were like, uh, what my home life was like. Um, and then, uh, yeah, then we went down into Old Town and I showed him some of the corners we'd stand on. Uh, just sort of what we would do, uh, how we would flag down people, where we, uh, you know, where they were, um, and how to kind of do that. So, yeah, and wow. he was a very big, he was a very big collaborator. Um, any time that he was able to spend with me, you know, we're busy and everything, but Right. Um, very very inquisitive um mm-hmm. and you know but very sensitive about it at the same time as well um mm-hmm. that i'll always that i'll always remember he was very very sensitive about the way he approached asking about it so very very human
1: mm. um can you tell me a little bit of was this, the story about shooting with river and Keanu near your mom's work and, uh, oh, yeah. and then how you went to visit, uh, was, with them after that.
6: With yeah, That was really cool. That was a really great memory. Um, uh, we had already been working on the set for a couple of weeks and, uh, you know, my mom had been hearing about it and, and um, uh, obviously was very proud and excited and, uh, it just so happened that, uh, we were shooting about four blocks away from where she worked downtown at an office building. And she was just passing by to go to lunch. It wasn't even sort of a pre planned thing. She just walked up and there she was. And she saw me. She's like, okay, I see these film trucks. I see all this going on. What's going on? And she comes and she walks down and she sees me in the window. I'm standing in like a snack bar or something like that, acting like I'm selling stuff to a river character. And she got to watch the whole filming and, uh, all the tapes, she stayed there. I think she took an extra long lunch. <laughs> um yeah, so she saw all that and then late I remember later on that day we all just piled in a van and uh no actually that was a different day excuse me. We piled in the car. I was with River and Keanu and uh he wanted to see my house. Uh my childhood house or at least one of them because we moved around periodically. But yeah, we just kind of showed up unannounced. <laughs> and yeah, uh, we came in, and my mom was like, "Is that who I think that is on my front porch?" And yeah, so <laughs> that was, just, that, was just, that was really fun. She handled it very well, though. But yeah, we came in, and uh, I introduced them, and we talked for a little while, and yeah, it's just funny how and they put her at ease too. It was really, really a really uh, very cool memory, and mm-hmm. uh, my even my mom was put at ease. Like, They're such nice young men. That <laughs> so was such a great memory. Oh, that's cool.
1: sweet. I just want to clarify that um, you are not narcoleptic. Is that right? That was a I am not. F- fiction addition to the character. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, what I, I thought.
6: Yeah, you bet. Now, when I think of the character, I think of uh, you know the search the search for home, the search for something um, bigger, uh, for an acceptance. It was the search okay. for acceptance and love. I think it was, it was, cap- it was capturing that spirit, I think.
3: Mm, when, we absolutely. Think of, when we think
6: when we think about yeah, his portrayal of of anything remotely to do with me it would be this sense of you know, finding home, finding a place, love and acceptance. Sure.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. It's what we're all searching for always, right? Was, right, you in bet. A way, Yeah, all the, you bet. Everyone wants to feel that warmth and joy of home. Um mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask for another story. I heard that there was a story about uh, River and you on a shopping day and you, when you <laughs> all went out and gave um, yeah. to un uh, unhoused population. You 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 fed yeah. them. Is, is that right? What was that all about? Yeah,
6: that was, uh, yeah, we were just kicking it at the house but it was a day off from filming and we had all piled into the van. I think it was, uh, I forget who was driving that ebert i think i think he was driving yeah and we just uh we drove he goes "Where's the nearest uh uh natural food store so we drove to uh macadam There's, it was called nature's grocery and we bought a what i thought was a very large amount of food for us just having you know something to eat when we got home <laughs> so, uh we, we piled it all in after we got it all in and then uh yeah we uh we stopped by the house and he took out one sack and had somebody bring it inside. And then we get back in the van and then we went down into Old Town. And I, I didn't know what we were doing. I had no idea. I'm just going along for the ride at this point. Um, so we get down into Old Town and he just gets out of the car and just starts passing it out to everybody. as they were going by. People were going, whoa, what? And nobody nobody recognized him or anything like that. It was just, we just started passing it down, going up and down the street and people were lining up. And, It was uh, was a pretty amazing dream, (laughs) a pretty amazing uh, memory. (laughs) I loved it. Wow,
1: that's so cool. Well, I mean, it's so interesting to think about, you know, all of you really kind of incubating in that space together to make this film. It was like a couple months, I think, or not even, of shooting. There's just such a, like, small group of people really living this, like, fiction realness and and how you know without that experience for all of you life would have been different like how each experience and each moment that we have shapes us right moving forward and and that um film that that moment in time that that set off a kind of trajectory for everyone that would have been different had it not been made. And and I even think of like outside of the people in that space and that small incubated group of people, the world at large, like the film itself really um, was like a window into a population of people that weren't being represented in film. You know, well, you've turned 21, like right after the film wrapped. Is that right? You turned 21 yeah that's wild you yeah. just 21.
6: Uh, yeah we actually wrapped in seattle uh the filming in seattle On uh at least my part of it um on on december 8th on, on my on my 21st birthday was, was the wrap i was done with the film
3: wow
6: and that was crazy i i lived just about two miles up the street so uh up in capitol hill district and i walked from the set to home and it was the most amazing feeling ever Um, that's actually one of the biggest memories I have from working on the film, just taking it all in on that two mile walk, just thinking about what did it just happen, what had happened over the last couple of months, how special and magical that was. And I kept, I couldn't help but thinking to myself that this is going to be really important. There is something really special about what just happened. You know, it's bigger than, uh, having a dream come true and being able to be in a film with the river and to be, uh, to, to have the acting experience and to do that because it's something that I'd wanted since I was a child. And but that aside, um, it was, it was even more so in that I felt like something really magical had just happened like, like we had said something that the, that that was there, there was going to be a, a real message there. And I was so proud to, to have who was who was giving that message be the ones giving it. And I remember uh, just how how that felt. I had goosebumps, uh, you know, walking all the way home, and I felt very serene. I, I just felt like, wow, that was this is really going to mean something from this. This was gonna this was gonna speak to a lot of different people on a lot of different levels. And I I, I thought in a positive way that it did. Uh, so uh, my biggest takeaway and my biggest memory is probably the day walking home after wow. that, just marinating and all that, and just just being so proud of of what had just happened and, and uh being able to spend that time with your brother and, uh you know and you know, to live together and to be a part of that process and be a part of the magic and and, and just being real and just, uh, it's an irreplaceable memory and um very humbling and very,
1: very beautiful. Wow, you're 50 now. So you're like uh, River would have been 50 this past year. Actually, you just turned, would have turned 51. And you're yeah. a father, is that right? You're a father? Yeah, I'm a
6: father. I have a father of three
1: There. Wow, so cool. Yeah. So um, do you feel like looking back, like imparted lessons on your life and that it changed you in a way? And do you have any advice for? Uh, you know young unhoused people who you know are turning to sex work to survive is there anything from that experience you can share as an adult um
6: yeah. now no um i think the best thing that i could probably share is that is anybody who's doing that is to is to to never stop never stop reaching out you know it's um it's, it's very lonely it's very gritty it's um never mind how dangerous it can be and all that. But, you know, especially coming now that I have children and that changed my entire mindset on, on, on my past, where I came from and and what I chose. I mean, when we are faced with childhood trauma and things like that, it's really, really hard to dictate exactly what your reaction is going to be said and uh, what it is that you're going to go out and try to find. And if you're, Feeling like you need to leave the situation that you're in, always try to reach out. You know, try, I try to re- reach out to, to, things, to things and people that are safe um, as best as you possibly can. And I cannot downplay um, any more uh, the power of communication and connection um, mm. with, uh, with, uh, with people that we trust. Mm. Um, that's easier said than done. Yeah. And in a lot of these cases, you know, because it's, it's, it's there's a lot of wreckage and a lot of damage um, that these, these people go through, and and they are they are underrepresented and they are not given the tools um, at a young age to cope um, with uh, with a lot of different things. So we turn to things like sex work and stuff like that. I turn to that for for survival and. and you know, but if, if there's any advice I would give to somebody who was doing that or considering that was to reach out and, and form connections with people that you trust. Always yeah, just make connections. It's so powerful this, uh, community. Mm. that community. that would be the best that that's what I would want for my children if they were ever faced with, you know, something you know, like that, you know,
3: mm-hmm.
6: you know, reach out. Mm. That's, that's, that's the best advice I could give.
1: That's great advice. I think the importance of community in any situation, it's like knowing you're not alone is so important and it's, it's where the safety is, you know, um, do you think things have changed, you know, since then in terms of culturally, um, you know, has it changed for young people, the way that they interrelate with family and in regard to identifying as queer, um, Or rejected somehow? Do you think that's changed, like in terms of the dominant, you know, social paradigm that we're in? Like, how are things different now?
6: I do think it's changed. Um, I do think we have entered an age where um, it's, you know, we still unfortunately have to um, deal with, uh, um, I don't want to use the word, uh, indifferent and homophobic. Things, but I think that uh, we're in an age now where it's a, it's a lot more um, accepted. I think that we're now in an age where children um, or young people in general are are made to be able to feel comfortable um, more than than it used to be to, to be who they are, to express who they are, and to be able to talk about that and explore. Um, so I do feel that there has been a bit of a shift, but unfortunately, you still have to, you still have to deal with um, you know, some elements that like that still don't feel. And, and that's unfortunate. Uh, but I, I, yeah, to answer your question, yeah, I do think it has shifted. I think uh, uh, young people, especially, are now in a position where uh, they feel a little more empowered. They feel a little more uh, comfortable in, in being who they are. I mean, at least that's what I'm seeing, you know, I can, I can see it in my own children too. I, you know, they, um, they they ask questions and, and, um, they're allowed to uh, be able to express and to have their own ideas about that and their own feelings about, about that. So, um, I I credit going through all that in my experiences and being able to answer those questions for my kids, you know, objectively and, and, um, and as somebody with experience, so I, I I feel very grateful that I that I'm able to that I'm able to answer those questions for them. So I think as the generations go on, if more and more kids are uh, have people in their lives who who will do that for them, mm. um, the more that paradigm will shift even more. You know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. When things aren't hidden, there's more. Um... Chance for understanding, I think, for sure. Um, And that was actually the last question I really wanted to ask you: is what What do you wish for your children? You know, as we're thirty years later, you know, what 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 do you see? What What is your wish for them?
6: No, um, I wish for them to know that they are loved, um, to know that they have a place, to know that they always have a voice, whether that be within their own family, uh, and that their uh, their opinion and their feelings uh, matter. And that even if you you are shut down in any way, in any form, uh, just just know that that you are right in how you feel. And that that speaks to me, uh, talking about community and uh, making connections with, with people that you trust, and you trust talking to, so cling, cling to those. Mm. Because um, in this life, you are going to come up against people who will try to knock you down people who will try to keep you down. But just to stay strong, stay strong in your conviction and know that you are worth it. And know that you are loved and know that and know that your that, that your feelings matter. You know, that's what I would what I want for my kids to to know that. To always know that and that it that it's okay to it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to tell somebody, hey, you know, I'm not I'm not doing so good right now. That. That it's so important that it, that you reach out if you're feeling depressed, if you're feeling down, if you're feeling um, indifferent to a situation, if you don't understand what's going on. It's okay to ask. Beautiful. That's what I want for my children. Yeah.
1: Hi,
7: I'm Karina Haywood, and I'm here to share with you my story about. Uh, my own private Idaho and um, its impact on me and also my experience going to the pre- Hollywood premiere in 1991 um, I was 16 years old at the time and I got to go because my mother's boyfriend um, had a association with film forum he was an experimental filmmaker in the 70s so they gave him some tickets to the premiere more importantly, I think, is what the film really uh, meant to me at the time. I think it laid the groundwork for later what became my life in San Francisco in the 90s, where I felt that we were all like a bunch of misfits, and but we took care of each other. And, um, I mean, it was already like that growing up, but there was, I didn't have my own template for that. And then in that movie, I really felt like that was what was being presented, that it was okay to be different and it was okay to love each other however we knew how I mean speaking of that um, the relationship between River and Canner's characters in the film um, you know being in love with your best friend that way I was in love with my best friend in high school and I didn't have words for it I didn't know how to explain it and after the movie I remember just saying it just saying I'm in love with her and knowing that she couldn't be in love with me but that was okay you know and our you know, that was the way it was, and um, it was my tragic love story. <laughs> so it was all right. Those were the two things that I that I got from that movie. I really felt seen, and I felt represented. Um, you know, as a like queer youth at the time, really validated. You know that that we belonged somewhere. Um, you know, the people that didn't fit in other places. So, and that's how I, I still think back on, on that, you know, on that film in that way. And, um, it's, it's movies like that and art like that, music, all that, that, um, helps us feel not as alone in the world. And, um, even like what I do, I make hats and I hope to, um, Present something for people that they feel that they can wear, no matter where they are on the spectrum of gender or, you know, gender nonconforming. And um, I, I think of my um, my hats as being gender neutral or gender free. Or there's so many terms, but um, I I hope to to bring the way that I feel about myself um and that i'm comfortable with myself and i want to kind of like give that as a gift to other people Um, all of that i think kind of relates um to this piece of art that we are celebrating so yeah thank you for letting me share my story and i hope it makes sense and thank you very much
8: hi my name is thailand i'm from london and brighton in the uk i saw the post um, on launch left page uh, saying to like submit what my own private idaho means to me or to you it was a serendipitous moment because i've recently been writing a list of things that make me feel like me or things that i need to get back in touch with to make me feel like me again and the top of that list is always my own private idaho i have to watch that movie to like reset myself or recalibrate myself into remembering who I am. <laughs> the time that I saw it, it, came at a really crucial point in me, like, figuring out who I am. I moved away from home to go to university, and at that point, I was not, like, totally like, living, like, my truth as, like, a totally queer person and being feeling like my coolest, like, most confident, natural self. Or anything. had not reached that point yet, but watching that movie definitely was like a step in me understanding myself a bit better, or at least owning myself a lot better. And like <laughs> one part, especially like was the fashion that I definitely tried to emulate. Um, one of the first pieces of clothing that I ever bought for myself was this jacket that I was trying to. I was trying to find a replica essentially of the jacket that. You know mike or river wore in the film this jacket like i don't know yeah whenever whenever i wore it i felt really cool it was the first piece of clothing that made me feel like i stood out the scene around the campfire is a really poignant scene for me because it's more so the part where he's talking about feeling like he's still a well-adjusted person, despite you know not having a typical family upbringing. He knows he's not at fault for circumstances that are beyond his control, and he's content with who he is, despite the dire circumstances that he was even in in that moment. And that, if I find really uplifting. Yeah, I'd, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm rambling. This video is probably way too long. I don't, don't even know if you'll watch all of it, but like. I feel like I had to do this. I don't normally do things like this, but I feel like I had to do it because, yeah, serendipity. And I want to honor that part of me.
4: Rain called me and informed me that my own private Idaho was hitting 30, 30 years since its release. I did marvel at that. And I also noticed that um, without the loss of River, We probably would not have done this because River died and because we lost him. Um, It becomes part of the impetus to remember, and he really was the heart of that movie. We started brainstorming, thinking about what we could do to celebrate 30 years of my own private Idaho, and one thing that I really did not want to have a nostalgia fest over it. I really wanted to look at it more as kind of a legacy. Gus was the first, you know, so-called openly gay director to be making mainstream films with movie stars and that featured really complex characters um, with all the dimensions, positive, negative, in between. When... A queer person is, you know, making art, they're not making a representation of queerness. They're just making art, but it's infused with their identity. Idaho was one of the first films that was really like that. We started thinking about how queer representation has changed over the 30 years and Um, what is left yet to change, and we wanted to do some forward-thinking work, and so we thought of some of the music that's in the film, especially the music that features the customers of the um, sex workers that were played by um, River and Keanu in the story. The two most memorable of those are... Dare Adler, the sitting on a bullet sequence with Udo Kier, which is a complete classic of 80s camp. And then the Daddy Carol sequence featuring Mickey Cottrell, dressed to the nines, wearing a fedora, picking up a what they called a rent boy on the street and bringing him upstairs and having him fulfill his fetish. When we were filming the Daddy Carol sequence, Mickey Cottrell just sort of spontaneously burst into dance. It was very whimsical and hilarious. We thought about how we might cover that. And Launch Left is an organization that is dedicated to artists, helping artists and has recently been focusing on some queer artists. We wanted My Own Private Idaho, the celebration, Mopey 30, to have something to do with celebrating queer representation in the media. So we wanted to bring in a young queer artist to cover the Deep Night song. And Rain asked Caroline Kingsbury, when you hear her cover, it's kind of like unbelievable that she she just whipped that out. It was so deep and beautiful and relevant and moving the way that she performs the song. I wanted to do something. Also found out that Mickey Cottrell, who played the original character, is in the motion picture film and television retirement fund residence, which is in Woodland Hills, California. And I've always, it just seems like a very rich and wild location. I wanted to see that. So, and also reconnect with Mickey. So we sort of brought the two things together, a little profile of Mickey and also an interview with him about, I think the key words were eroticism and tenderness and Uh, Somehow Caroline channeled eroticism and tenderness and longing um, in her rendition of the song. And we were able to do our best to capture that visually.
9: Well, you know, River was not supposed to speak in the scene. He had no dialogue. And he automatically started speaking. Just extempore. These words started falling out of his mouth. I had a crush on River anyway. That was not hard to do for a gent of my persuasion. Oh, the dance, that just happened. I mean, it was not a part of the original script. I just listened to the music and it made me dance. I always think of myself as a dancer. Somehow, the whole world made me dance, and now I can't dance anymore. I've danced my last dance. Well, there was an atmosphere that was very romantic. I was sort of captured in the web of River being there, and he became an instant fixation to uh, Daddy Carol. And it went deeper and deeper as the scene progressed. And he grabs the edges of his Baroque red and gold robe. And he says, And now you can wash Daddy Carol. Daddy Carol dressed to the nines all the time. And that was like a shield a suit of armor that protected him, that immaculate perfection that he pursued and found in River's character, Mike. Daddy Carol didn't have a lot of intimacy, really, in his life. But the beauty, the magic, the spirit, of River's character, of Mike, freed Daddy Carol. It allowed Daddy Carol to dance, to dance with joy that this magic was happening to him because magic didn't happen to him except in these kinds of situations with the rent boy. Eroticism is the inspiration for tenderness. Doors open with eroticism that lead into the room of tenderness. There is something magical about secrecy. Secrecy coming to fruition made everything more romantic and dramatic and exciting. It was pretty sublime.
3: In a place of love Night winds Seem to us
10: I'm in the UK and I'm just gonna tell you what My Own Private Idaho means to me. Um, I first saw My Own Private Idaho years ago when it was first shown really late at night on channel four. And I'd always loved River, I loved what he'd done with his acting career, but watching My Own Private Idaho was like a revelation. It was just like nothing I'd ever seen before. The images were painterly. The way that the costumes mixed with the storytelling, the narrative, like with the orange jacket, River's character of Mike, he actually was the salmon um, that that he was trying to find his home. And I think that's really what struck me, to be honest, was... I'd never seen someone give that much of an emotive performance on film. The way that River just captured the essence of feeling lonely and feeling lost. And he didn't even need to say anything. There was just that look about him, wasn't there? He would look at the character of Scott and you just knew. You just knew what he was thinking and he didn't have to say anything. And back then, I remember thinking to myself, I need to write about this film. I didn't even know if that was possible back then, I didn't even know what you could do, but I knew that there was more and more to say about it, I started to watch it multiple times a day, and then eventually I was lucky enough, I went to university, and that was solely so I could write my thesis on my own private Idaho. Which I did, and I was really really lucky enough um, to have that published which um, as a chapter and now it's coming out as an academic textbook in the next couple of years hopefully so that's really exciting and that absolutely changed my life because now i am a freelance writer Uh, i write about film academically i write about about LGBTQI plus representation on screen. And that is because of my own private Idaho and that is because of River. In tribute, I actually got River um, tattooed on my arm in his pose, there's Mike there. Um, and it's the scene in the graveyard where he just looks at the character of Scott and you know, and you know that he is so hurt. And everything, everything is in that look. You're never gonna get another film like it. You're never gonna get a cast like it ever again. It was unique. It was a product of its time and it changed my life um, for the better. People say to me, Jessica, do you ever talk about anything else? And you know what? I write about film academically all the time, but I always come back to my own private Idaho because there's always something new to discover. It can teach us things about ourselves every single day. If
1: you like what you've heard on this show, please don't forget to rate and subscribe. Follow us on all socials at Launch Left. Find everything you need at launchleft.com. Have a nice day.